Thank you, Tim. You will never outthink the goodness of God. I don't care how many times you thank him, you will never exhaust your thanksgiving to the good to the good things that God has done in your life. And we are going to uh, see this uh, in a more physical, uh, uh, physical way, visible way, when we enter into this 21 days of prayer and fasting journey. We're so glad that you joined us today in person or online. Uh, we're excited about what God has for us in Daniel chapter 10, if you want to uh, start looking, for that, uh, looking that up. But 21 days of prayer and fasting uh, launches next week. Uh, you uh, can... Fill out the, the connection card, the commitment card rather, uh, that's in your seat back and put that in the offering receptacle or connection point. And don't leave today without picking up the 21-day uh, prayer calendar, which has the prayer focus and the scripture for every day. And we will launch into that uh, next week. Daniel chapter 10, find that on your Bible or your device while you're doing that. Let me set up the context uh, for where we're going. Last week, we finished the biographical section of Daniel in chapter 6. We're fast forwarding to chapter 10 which you'll see why in just a moment. Uh, but it's been 70 years, close to 70 years, where Daniel has been removed from his home, uh, relocated in Babylon as an exile. Jeremiah the prophet told Daniel that it would take 70 years to, for God to fulfill his promise to return his people back to Jerusalem. The time is, is, is at hand. The time is coming. Daniel realizes this. And while he's waiting for this, God has been giving Daniel visions and dreams uh, concerning end times. Uh, I said before what Revelation is to the New Testament, Daniel is to the Old Testament. Uh, he records four different visions referring end times activities, referring to, to what's happening at the end of, of time. So chapter 10 begins the fourth and the final vision that we find in the book of Daniel. And it freaks Daniel out. Daniel is extremely troubled by what he sees in this fourth and final vision, mainly because he can't understand it. He doesn't know, uh, he doesn't know what, what this means. Uh, Dan, uh, Daniel chapter 10 is about vision and dreams. It's about spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare on the count of three. Everyone say with me, spiritual warfare. One, two, three. Spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. Uh, what does that mean? This chapter is about princes and principalities. It's about guardian angels. How many of you have a guardian angel? How many of you don't know if you have a guardian angel or not? We'll talk about, we'll talk about that. Uh, uh, chapter 10 is about spiritual warfare, guardian angels, and territorial spirits. I uh, don't know if you've heard that phrase before, but that's, that may be a new concept to you as well. Territorial spirit. So uh, what is Daniel 10 all about? Let's start with verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belteshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. A great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. So the, this verse is actually a setup, just kind of a summary uh, this is what happened, and in the following verses, this is how, this is how it happened. So Daniel has this vision of where the understanding is coming to him. Verse 2, at that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. So three weeks, uh, how many days are three weeks? Shout that out. 21, 21, you guys are smart. Daniel is praying and fasting for 21 days. 20, he's praying and fasting for 21 days. What a coincidence. You thought I came up with this idea. Okay, so Daniel uh, ex exemplifies to us this 21-day this journey of prayer and fasting. Now, in chapter 6, we learned uh, that Daniel prays every day, three times a day. 
That was his custom. He prayed every day for three times a day. Now in chapter 10, because of this vision, he's troubled by this vision. And so he adds fasting uh, to his procedure, to his daily routine. Now, this is what we would call a partial fast. There's many ways uh, to fast. So let's talk about fasting for just a second as we uh, get ready for 21 days. Uh, you can fast from all food uh, for 21 days. Uh, you can fast for, from all food for a different number of days, one, two, three, however many days you feel like God is leading you to fast. You can fast from all foods on certain days of the week. Uh, there's, there's all kinds of ways that you can do this. You can fast, as Daniel did, uh, from particular kinds of food. Uh, Daniel had, this was not a full fast for Daniel. This was what we would call a partial fast. And so, by the way, I want to I, I make myself accountable uh, to you today because I am, uh, I've prayed about this and I am committing to a partial fast. Um, I'm in training with World Vision for the marathon in, in November, so I have, to eat I have to eat something. But here's, here's what I'm fasting from, it says here in this verse, choice food. Uh, what, what is choice food? Choice food is food that you choose, okay? It's food that, you know, if, if you could choose whatever you wanted to eat, this is, the, this is the food that you would choose. This is the food that you want to eat. Sometimes you shouldn't eat it. Sometimes uh, you want to eat it, whether you should eat it or not. This is choice food. Th those of you who know me, what is my choice food? Okay, in my world, chocolate is a major food group. Uh, I can't eat a meal without at least some of it. So uh, this is my partial fast for 21 days. I'm fasting from that kind of choice food, sugar, dessert, sweets, chocolate of any kind, uh, all of that stuff for 21 days. Now, here's the thing. I had a birthday this past week, um, and some of you uh, gave me chocolate for my birthday. God bless you. You are loved and highly favored. May your tribe increase. But if you, you, but you need to know this. If you bring me chocolate during these 21 days, you will be a messenger of Satan sent to torment me. So um, you pray for me and you encourage me and don't be a, a source of temptation, okay? And I will pray for you in whatever way God is leading you to participate in this journey of prayer and fasting. I would encourage you uh, to think about that and then commit to that, that process. This is exactly what Daniel did. He committed himself uh, to 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, a lot of times in the Bible, when you, when you read about fasting, uh, people fast, particularly in troubling times. Uh, not necessarily, I mean, not always, but sometimes when, you know, when you need a breakthrough, when there is, you know, when you're looking for a particular answer in prayer or you have a particular focus in prayer, when something is troubling you, uh, many times people would uh, begin a fast. And so Daniel is having this vision. He's troubled by this vision. And so he fasts and he prays for 21 days. After the 21 days, this is what happens. Verse 4. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphars around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of of a multitude. Who is this man dressed in linen? We, we are not told. What's interesting, though, is that in the book of Revelation, Revelation is to the New Testament, what Daniel is to the Old Testament. In the book of Revelation, Jesus is given this very same description. So uh, 
And this is not a coincidence because Jesus, uh, we call him the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. He has already shown up twice in the book of Daniel. So it's quite possible that this is another Christophany where Jesus uh, appears uh, in a vision uh, to Daniel. Verse 7, I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them. They didn't even see it. They just saw Daniel seeing it. And they fled and hid themselves. That's how terrifying this was. So I was left alone gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking. And as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. And then verse 10, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. Now the vision is over and now someone else, this is, this is a different hand. This is not Jesus. Uh, but a hand touched him. He said, verse 11, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I am about to speak to you. Consider carefully these words and stand up for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before the Lord. In other words, the first day you prayed and began to fast over this, Your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. 21 days ago, Daniel began a fast. He began to pray about this vision and the understanding of this vision. And now this angel uh, comes to Daniel and says, you need to know that on the first day that you prayed, God heard that prayer and actually responded to that prayer. But you had to wait. Daniel had to wait 21 days to get the answer to this prayer. He waited 21 days. How long have you ever waited for an answer to prayer? For many of you, longer than 21 days, right? Some of you are still waiting. We talk a lot about unanswered prayer. In all reality, friends, uh, uh, the prayer of faith, uh, there is no such thing as an unanswered prayer. God hears those prayers. He responds to those prayers. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says Wait, sometimes it takes 21 days, sometimes it takes 21 weeks or months or even years. If God heard and responded on the first day, the question is, why did Daniel have to wait 21 days to get the answer? And here's why, verse 13. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now, this is not a physical human being, prince. Who, who is this prince of Persia? And who, who's this Michael? Why is this angel, who we don't even know, detained with the prince of Persia? We'll get to that in just a second. But verse 4 uh, concludes, Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerned the time yet to come. So before the angel explains this vision to Daniel, he explains to Daniel why, he, why he's not yet received the understanding of this vision. Friends, this is the word of God. This is the word of God. This sounds really weird, isn't it? I mean, this is, this is a very unusual experience. Daniel has just been given, friends, a behind-the-scenes perspective on prayer. What happens in the, in the unseen realm and helping him to understand that when you pray and you don't receive an answer, it does not mean that God is inattentive or reluctant to answer, but that many times there is something else going on uh, that we can't simply see or we are not aware of. Daniel prayed. 
God sent an angel to respond when he prayed, but he gets detained by the prince of Persia for 21 days. And then he says, Michael, which we understand uh, is, is, is the prince of angels, the ruler of angels, has to come and intervene in this particular struggle. And so together, this angel and Michael overpower the prince of Persia. Uh, and so it allows this angel to continue on to Daniel, to deliver Daniel the answer to his prayer. But before he gives the answer to the prayer, he explains to him why he hasn't gotten the answer to his prayer. Are you following me? Okay, so friends, this is not, this is not a story. This is the word of God. This is a spiritual reality in your life, operating in the invisible realm that affects the operation of the visible and the physical realm in which we live. So how are we to, to understand all of this? Those of you who take notes, now's the time to get out your pen. And give me a second because it's going to take a while. We have to start before the beginning. We have to go all the way back. In the beginning, God did what? Created the heavens and the earth. But before the beginning, before the creation of the earth, God dwelt in infinity and eternity with a created host of angels who lived for the purpose of worshiping and exalting and praising God forever and always. But you are familiar with the, uh, the name Satan, the person of Satan. You've heard of him. He was an angel who rebelled against the glory of God, sought to uh, usurp the glory of God, the power of God. And in that rebellion, he took, the Bible says, took a third of the angels with him uh, that we no longer call angels, but now we call them demons. So we have Satan and his demons. And from that point on, from the rebellion, he has lived in conflict with God. This is what we call, friends, spiritual warfare. This is happening in the heavenly or the, you know, the unseen realm. Satan, um, so, so God created the heavens and the earth. God created Adam and Eve. He gave dominion of the earth to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were stewards of the earth, given dominion by God. In the garden, Adam and Eve were tempted by Satan. And when they, when they sinned, when they rebelled against God, Satan usurped that dominion, took that dominion from Adam and Eve. That's why Jesus in the Gospels calls Satan the prince of this world. The prince of this world. And if you remember Jesus in the Gospels, when he was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights, remember that? Satan came to him once and said, you know what? If you will bow to me, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. Why? Because he had the, the dominion of those worlds, those, those kingdoms, and he could offer them to Jesus. This is why uh, the Apostle Paul calls him the prince of darkness. He is, he is, he is the liar. He is the stealer. He is the destroyer. Uh, he is ruling over the principalities of earth with his demonic dominion, uh, minions uh, in constant rebellion of God, always seeking to destroy the works of God and Adam and Eve and you and me and all human beings are simply a pawn in this invisible struggle. And what is invisible and what is unseen fleshes out in what is seen and what is physical. Until the day Jesus returns and finally and forever destroys the work of the devil, you and I are going to be locked into this battle called spiritual Warfare. That's why the Apostle Paul talks about our struggle not being against flesh and blood. It's not physical, but against the principalities and the powers in the heavenly realms. Satan's primary target, friends, is God. He's out to usurp the authority of God, the, the glory of God. But he uses you. He seeks to kill, steal, and destroy 
you. He seeks to destroy everything God creates, including you. Still with me? Is everybody still here? Okay, I sent some eyes glazing over. Uh, okay, we, we are locked in a spiritual warfare. So in, in his dominion of earth, because Satan is not God, friends, Satan is not omnipotent. He can't do anything that he wants. He's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. He's not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere. He is not God. So he uses his fellow fallen angels, his demons, and distributes them throughout the creation. And Daniel, we come to Daniel chapter 10. This is one of the very few, but one of the clearest explanations of what some call territorial spirits or demon powers, demons exercising powers over particular human kingdoms and principalities, the principalities of men. And so the angel comes to explain this to Daniel. You have not gotten your answer to your prayer because I got detained. I got stopped by one of these, uh, these powers, one of these demonic uh, powers. And we had to struggle. In fact, it was so hard for me, I had to call in Michael, the chief uh, the ruler of the princes, to help me. And so we were finally able to overpower him. And now that's why I was able to come to you 21 days later. Let's drop down to verse 20. Fast forward to verse 20. It says, do you know why I've come to you? Well, now he knows. Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. So he's going back into that same power. And when I go, the prince of Greece, so here's another principality, the, the prince of Greece will come but first, I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. Before I leave, I will explain to you this vision. No one supports me against him except Michael. And then now, what is Michael called? Your prince. Your prince. Now, what's interesting here is that this is written in the plural. So this is not just Daniel's particular personal prince. He is, in fact, the prince of Israel or the prince of God's people. He is everyone's prince that, that belongs to him. Okay, so you understand this this struggle. You have Satan and his demons warring against God uh, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and his angels. Uh, and so the prince, Michael, the prince of God's people is the one that overpowered this angel. You have princes battling princes. You have princes with principalities. You have a territorial spirit, the prince of Persia, the prince of Greece, uh, seeking to stop the angel of the Lord, assisted by the prince of Israel, uh, Michael, to deliver the answer to Daniel's prayer. Now, here's a good place to stop and ask the question about the guardian angel. Many of you believe you have a guardian angel. Some of you don't know. The Bible doesn't really speak to personal, uh, specific guardian angels. It does speak to angels being involved in the affairs of men. Is there an angel in heaven specifically assigned to you? I don't know that the Bible is really clear on that, but it is clear that there are angels who are ministering spirits to us. We certainly get the idea that there is a spiritual realm out there where spirit beings, angels, and demons uh, are focused on particular regions or people groups. Daniel 10 speaks to territorial spirits, spirits assigned to a region or a grouping of people. And in the personal realm, I mean, some, you know, you've seen this in movies and, and we sometimes think, you know, we've got a devil dressed in red with a pitchfork on one shoulder and an angel dressed in white with a halo, you know, sitting on the other shoulder and one saying, you, know, you should do what's right. No, you should do what you want. No, you know, you got to answer to God. No, you can, you know, whatever. So, you know, that's your spiritual struggle, friends. That's your spiritual warfare. Now, whether you have a particular personal demon or angel, again, the Bible is not clear, but we do know Jesus acknowledged the angels. Jesus believed in angels. Jesus uh, came to destroy the works of the devil, uh, which was most evident in him casting out the demons. 
uh, during his ministry. So Jesus was well aware of angels and demons. And Hebrews chapter 13 tells us that we can engage an angel and not even know it. So some of you are thinking, this is really cool. And some of you are like freaked out. I, I, you know, what, do, I have, do I have an angel sitting by? I don't know, you know. But this is the spiritual realm, friends, in which we operate that we don't always see. This is why Paul said in Ephesians 6, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not physical. It's not visible. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Friends, there is a spiritual frame of reference to our physical existence. And the more that we understand that realm, well, I think, first of all, it would change the way that we pray. If you, if you were aware of what's happening in the spiritual realm and how that affects the physical realm, I think it would change, the way, it would change that we pray. Uh, it would change the way that we pray, how we pray, what we pray for, what we expect uh, in, having, in having prayed. Uh, under, understand this, friends. Daniel prayed, and that prayer instigated a spiritual battle in the, heaven, in the heavenly realms between spiritual beings. Had Daniel not prayed this prayer, this, this spiritual struggle would not have taken place. So you do not know when you are praying, you do not know what you are instigating in the heavenly realms. Some of you think that's so cool. Again, some of you, you're not, what's going on? You know, friends, you don't need to be freaked out about this. You just need to be aware of it. Uh, what you and I understand, Daniel was, uh, c- could only imagine. Daniel is looking forward to the work of Christ, but you and I have the privilege of looking backward at the work of Christ where Paul uh, in Colossians 2 refers to, to Jesus saying that he has disarmed the rulers and the authorities. He has put them to open shame. How did he do that, friends? He did that through the cross. The battle is real, but the victory has been won. And so this is the context in which we operate. We are living in between the declaration of victory in the, on the cross and the consummation of victory in Jesus' second coming. So our, our struggle is real, but our defeat is impossible. We fight, but we've already won. You are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. You are greater than he. Uh, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So therefore, all of that to get to this one point this morning, Ephesians chapter 6, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, fast forward to verse 18 and pray. Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, be alert, and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So what have we learned today? We have learned that everything visible and physical is preceded by something invisible and spiritual. We've learned that there is a spiritual realm and then there is an earthly realm. And so Paul is telling us that the, that the struggle is real and what happens in the spiritual affects what happens in the physical. Therefore, put on the full armor of God and pray. Therefore, take your stand and pray. Stand firm as if everything depended on you, but pray as if everything depended on God. The, the two go together. And Paul in this passage refers to uh, the evil day, so that when the evil day comes, what is the, what is the, the evil day or the, the day of evil? Well, friends, the, the day of evil is the day when all hell breaks loose in your life. Has that ever happened to you? <laughs> the day of evil is when everything goes wrong in that day. Jesus reminded us that every day has enough trouble of its own. 
But would you agree that there are just some days? There are some, there is some days that they're, they're not just bad. They're downright evil. And when that evil day comes, stand firm, put on the full armor of God, and what? Pray. There are some days that are so evil. There are some days that are so dark, you feel like you are under spiritual attack. There are some days so dark that you think that there is, that you have your own prince of Persia out to get you. When you don't have the strength to go on, when you don't get, get this, when you, when you don't think God is listening because your prayers aren't getting answered. Three times in this passage, Paul says to stand firm, stand firm, stand firm. In other words, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. In other words, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. God has heard your prayer. God has responded to your prayer. And regardless of how long you have to wait for that prayer, 1 Thessalonians 5 says, never stop praying. And Paul says here to pray in the spirit. Friends, the role of the spirit is to help you understand the mind of God, to deliver the mind of God to you so that you can pray according to the mind of God. Because Jesus said to us, uh, if, we, if you pray anything in my name or if you pray anything according to my will, God hears that prayer and responds to that prayer. You may have to wait for the answer to that prayer. So keep praying. Keep praying. What does this mean for us, friends? Here's the, you will never, get this, you will never mature your way out of spiritual warfare. It doesn't matter how long you've walked with Jesus. It doesn't matter how deeply you've walked with Jesus. You will never, on this side of heaven, you will never be exempt from spiritual warfare. There is no way out of it. Paul says it's real. Uh, you don't have to be obsessed about it. You just have to be observant about it. In fact, the, the last thing Satan wants you to do is to get close to Jesus. The last thing he wants you to have is a relationship with Jesus. And if there is any opportunity for him to stand in the way of that, to obstruct that, to destroy that, he will do that. So just kind of, kind of a, as a heads up, people, for those of you who have committed to this journey, if you've signed that commitment card, 21 days of prayer and fasting, get ready. Because the last thing Satan wants you to do is to pray for 21 days. The last thing he wants you to do is fast for 21 days. And so you enter into this and things are going to go wrong in your life or things are going to happen and you're going to think to yourself, I, I just committed to praying and fasting. Why, why, why isn't God responding to my prayers? Why aren't things going well for me? Friends, Satan will do all that he can to stand in your way and, and obstruct and oppose the progress that God wants to make in your life, to frustrate every plan of growth in your faith. So what can you do? What can you do in this? Let me suggest three things. Uh, as we close out. The first thing you need to do is just simply recognize the enemy that you have. You have an enemy. Your enemy prowls around like a lion looking to destroy you. So there, there's two things that you need to know, two things that you need uh, to do about spiritual warfare. Number one, you need to take it seriously. There is a spiritual realm. Spiritual warfare is real. Satan is real. Demons are real. But if you are in Christ, the demonic world has no power over you. Satan can trouble you, but he cannot overpower you. He can harm you, but he cannot destroy you. You have the armor of God. You have the spirit of God. You have the word of God. And you have prayer that releases the power of all of that. So first of all, you need to take it seriously. But secondly, you don't need to take it that seriously. You don't need to be paranoid. You just need to be prepared. Uh, Philippians says, uh, uh, don't be anxious about anything, but 
but with prayer and petition, pray about everything with thanksgiving, okay? So anxiety, friends, if you're worried, if you're obsessed, if you're scared and fearful, friends, that is the opposite of prayer. Prayer conquers the fear in your life by surrendering uh, your struggle to him. First Peter 5 says, cast your cares on the one who cares for you. Recognize this. You have an adversary, and so you need to be observant about the warfare, but you also have an advocate. So you don't need to be obsessed about the warfare. Jesus has already, already won the, the battle for you. If you are in Christ, no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck you from his hand. Till he returns or calls you home, you stand in the power of Christ. So first of all, recognize the enemy. Prayer unleashes that power. Secondly, understand the battle. We need to understand what's going on. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Paul is calling you to praying in the spirit. Again, the, the spirit of God helps you to understand the word of God so that you can discern the will of God. And when you pray anything according to the will of God, God hears and God responds. The spirit of God testifies to your spirit so you can pray in line with the will of God. Everything visible and physical is preceded by that which is invisible and spiritual. And so you need to enter the spiritual realm through prayer to unleash the power of God in your life. Here's the deal, friends. Because of the cross, you're already victorious. You're already victorious. Even when you feel defeated, God has already answered, even though you've not received the answer. God is already working, even when you can't observe what he's doing. And by the way, this is, this is why you can always pray with thanksgiving. Back in Philippians 4, he told us to pray with thanksgiving. Why can you pray with thanksgiving? Because you know that God has already heard and responded. So whether you've received it yet or not, you can thank him for having sent it. And until you receive it, you pray with thanksgiving. The moment you pray, God hears and God responds. You may not get the response right away. And if you don't, now you know why. Unless you understand the battle, unless you know what's happening in the invisible spiritual realm, all you see is God not answering your prayer. All you see is God not responding to your need. All you see is what's happening in the visible realm. And all the time, God is at work behind the scenes, fulfilling his will in your life. So if you're distressed, don't let that discourage you. If you're attacked, if you feel attacked, don't let that overwhelm you. Circumstances may be the vehicle of your problem. They are not the source of your problem. This is a spiritual struggle. People may be the conduit of your problem. They are not the source of your problem. There's something much greater going on in the, in the spiritual realm. Whenever you pray, you are entering into that realm, unleashing the power of God in your life. So here's the third thing you need to do. Just follow the game plan. Follow the game plan. What's the game plan? It's to put on the armor of God, to stand firm, and to pray. Pray according to the word of God. Pray according to the will of God. And friends, next week, as we begin this 21-day journey, we are going to, Jesus is going to teach us how to pray. So here's the deal. Anybody who prays wonders, does this even work? You know, you've been waiting for 21 days, 21 weeks, how, however long you've been, you know, you, you need to understand that, it, that God wouldn't ask us to pray if he didn't, if he thought that it was a waste of time. Jesus spent entire nights in prayer. If he had to pray, how much more should we need to pray that keeps us connected and focused and engaged, dependent on God? 
your kingdom come, your will be done. Why would Jesus teach us to pray that if prayer did not call in the power of God to intervene into our life? That's exactly what prayer is. It's asking God to do what he would want to do, but he's not yet done because we've not yet prayed. Think about this, friends. There are, Paul prayed in Ephesians 3 that God would do immeasurably more than what we ask or imagine. Can you, can you imagine all the things that God would do for you if you would ask God to do it? James says you don't have because you don't ask. God is waiting to do in you, through you, and for you what you have not yet asked him to do. So get in the game. Follow the game plan. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We want to enter into a time of communion. If you would get that ready for you, uh, you should have received that on your way in. But with what we talked about this morning, it needs to remind us that we have a Jesus who has already interceded for us, who has already intervened in our life. But until he comes again, we engage in this spiritual struggle. We fight, but we've already won. We struggle, but the victory is already ours. We know that because of this. So let me read the words of institution as we celebrate Christ's victory on the cross. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's participate together. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for all that you are and all that you've done. And we look to the cross as our ultimate salvation, our ultimate victory. And we look forward to that day when all things will be made new, where you will finally redeem and restore what has been broken. Until that day, Father, as we struggle, as we live in the evil day, remind us of what you have done on the cross and how that cross promises what you will do for us in the future. And we look forward to that day, Father. We live in your victory. We put on our armor. We stand firm. And we ask you to work in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray.